Hey guys, this is Ronning. Just a reminder, these are old episodes, and if you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Rebooted channel on YouTube, and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. And announcing a new podcast with Ed Greer, Ron Swallow, and producer Bill called The Greatest Pod. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. In addition, if you want to support us monetarily, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash the greatest pod and you can sign up for the $5 tier that gets you extra podcasts or sign up for the $7 tier that gets you the extra podcasts and art sent directly to your house. We've got a new Tee Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. The mumbo gumbo, the pop art reboot crew, the classic logo, and then of course... The Rebooted Drinking Game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls, among other fan-favorite comments. So, do yourself a favor. Go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite t-shirt. So, thanks for listening and thanks for supporting Reboot It. Hey everybody, welcome to Reboot It Rewind. I am Ron Swallow, and we are here to talk to you guys about all the crazy stuff that happened for the Matrix Rebooted episode. We got the whole crew. We got Ed Greer. Hey. We got producer Bill. What up? And we got Billy Business. Yeah, let's talk about the most harmonious episode we did. <laughs> well no i mean honestly i just want to start by saying that my hey i just had a sense memory to us doing the episode and when my hands up i felt hostage you know what i mean <laughs> it was like it was it was one of those things where i think i'll just start my part i think i might have brought some bad mojo to it because i really didn't think we could do it it was it was a seed of disbelief inside my bones maybe a little bit you know what i mean that that got exacerbated over the course of it being so difficult so i'll own that part of it you know what i'm saying like you know you're only yeah. as, as, as strong as the the weakest believer in your cult <laughs> <laughs> well oh, you guys you... Go, go ahead Ron. no no go ahead well i was just gonna say the thing is uh, part of this is my fault uh because <laughs> we we all wanted do we have a whole list? We have a list of different reboots that we all want to do. We put it together as a little kayfabe for you guys. We we send emails back and forth, and I had just been harping that we have to do the Matrix because I, mean, I to, knew. To be fair, Ron, like I remember back like the very beginning we were coming up with the show, like Matrix was one that I remember both you and I were both like we have to do it at some point. And we had, yeah. like, some really tough ones on there that, like, you know, Godfather and Forrest Gump and stuff. But Matrix <laughs> Which we might that, still do, by the way. We might still do. Yeah. We never know. Yeah. But I, I remember I was like, well, Matrix seems a lot easier. And then, yeah, as the time came, I was never against doing the Matrix. I know Ed was. I was never against it. I just was like, yeah, sure, that sounds like one that we should do. But woof. I, I didn't think it would be that hard. <laughs> I was so against it. I, 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 I want to get this out up front. I, I feel like I don't know that I'm the most modulated one of the group, but I certainly am the, le I, the least sort of wear my heart on my sleeve out of all of us. 
I was so against that idea. Just I don't I don't even know if the, the four of us have talked about this. I thought that was a really dumb idea to do from the beginning for all the reasons that ended up really tripping me up in the episode. And I feel like I'll just cop to it. I, I was probably the biggest sort of impediment through that episode because I just couldn't get past the fact of like, look, if we're gonna do the matrix, I don't want to do message board BS. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to do just some easy off the top of the dome any but any idiot on the internet could come up with this idea and i feel like for the matrix in particular out of any of these properties that was so burning in my mind and i don't I, i'm not going to apologize for it because i do think that like that's the thing that people should be getting from this show and that's the thing that we should be putting into this show is like look we have to elevate the conversation i just think so, like there was there's always kind of been like this fundamental difference you know we start almost every reboot it's like what does an audience expect what's the theme and i kind of feel like we as uh, as four people almost never agreed to what the what the audience expects or what we expect from reboot it as a concept because to mm. me and i think why i got so mad in the course of this episode which we'll get to but it was just like we have to achieve reboot we don't it, it it might not be shakespeare it might not be as good as the original and i was like i personally was okay with coming to the realization that reboot it didn't always mean make it better it just means like the task is we have to take this property and try to bring it uh, you know bring a new spin on it bring our spin on it and in the case of the matrix I just never wanted to shy away from something that seemed too hard because then we just eliminate so many potential future episodes because it's like, well, if this is too hard, then The Godfather's too hard, then Jurassic Park's too hard, then, you know, a lot of the stuff we've already and, done And the is most important, greatest movie of all time, uh, The Room, is too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what well, I think that's why we just kind of, we were butting heads before we even got into this. I didn't know that you didn't want to do it because to my memory you weren't as vocal as like ed was no and i i wasn't going to be i just want to also say guys i'm watching the chat as we're doing this so i definitely have to say charles clark let's go colts baby um, <laughs> <laughs> um i gotta I, I gotta point out this important shirt that i'm wearing uh right here uh, we we all see it, Ron. Nobody was going to comment on it. <laughs> Although, I do have to say this. Nicole Brandstetter in the chat says, Ron be looking fine AF today. Oh, that's, that's, you. that's Ron's I... mom, and we all know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mom doesn't call me fine. I hope not. I hope not. Handsome is fine from my mom. <laughs> Uh, she says F-O-I-N-E, fine. Foin. <laughs> foin. I, I cut my hair myself. It looks so, pretty good. The lady, the, my, my girlfriend fixed the back, of course, because uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to cut your own uh, back of your own hair. That never goes well. Yeah, kind of like the reboot of <laughs> Matrix. <laughs> yeah, so, Billy, I, I want to address what you just said, which is um, you didn't know that I was so against it. Because I think I think all four of us sort of bring a different collaborative spirit into this. And I think I am very aware that in any sort of creative collaboration, my default setting is to try to be domineering. And that's just some work I've done on myself. And so now 
I try really hard to catch myself before I default to, no, we're not doing it that way. This isn't going to work for X, Y, Z reasons. I'd rather let it play out and see what happens. And so I started that episode, and maybe it was unfair to you guys, because I honestly started that episode with every expectation that it was going to be a complete disaster, but I didn't actually verbalize it to you. And so I think I brought that bias into it, and that may have contributed to the fact that, like, once we all started going different directions, I was very quickly ready to throw my hands up and be like, okay, we don't, we don't even know what we're talking about here, let alone are we coming up with an interesting story. Well, and that's the see what the, what's funny about it is though through the course of the episode it seemed like we were we were so many cats with their tails tied together trying to run away from each other for a while in the episode you know what I mean we were we were doing that thing and in the midst of that I was we were scratching each other because we were blaming each other for like why are you tying me to this scratch 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 we were scratching each other and then Billy seemed like the one that was just like you know what fuck this. <laughs> Damn this! Darn this! I'm out. That's I love that you cover PG thirteen. That was our one. That was it. Okay, but that I'm, was I'm it. just saying. It seems like Billy was the one in the episode that sort of did that. But like I, to echo Bill's sentiments, I I had my hands in this position, ready to go up and to throw my hands up. I was I was in I was prepared to throw my hands up because I felt as though it was too difficult. But I always I also felt as though. I understood where Bill was coming from, that we had to do something to smarten it up. We've It's been 20, 20 years hence. We well, have and, to be smarter. And that that burden was a lot. And and, and, and it was a burden to a- adventure. You know what I'm saying? It kind of weirded out the adventure part of the movie. And can I say, in defense of all of you guys that were uh, reticent to do it, uh, it makes sense. The, the original Matrix was such a great amalgam of so many different things from taking uh, the the best in technology that we could possibly have and revolutionizing, did I say that right? Uh, the whole movie industry with bullet time and, and the different ways that it looked in the fight scenes and uh, taking philosophy that is kind of a complicated philosophy and taking making it something that people, regular people were totally into. So Can I, I understand up? why you were like, you know, freaked out about trying to put this together. But I think one thing you said there, it, it just triggered for me in my head. One of the big issues that I had coming into the episode was that I knew specifically you, Ron, would be more focused on the first Matrix movie. Yeah. When I knew I specifically would be focused on the two sequels. And the, and the fact that those two sequels were were literally written and designed to just pull the rug out from everything that happened in the first movie yeah and so it becomes really hard to try to talk about like well how do we do the matrix again because it's such a different question are we going to revisit the the story from the first matrix or are we going to revisit what the story turned into after reloaded and revolutions yeah and so uh, I was, uh, uh, I gotta say, I was impressed with you guys for having the patience to eventually push through the whole thing. I mean, we uh, all could have, we all could have given up. There. Look, I, I think part of it is, you know, Bill, you you know, you're saying like you had a, a negative mindset going in. It's like, well, I mean, like I, I'm the same way. Like the, the reality of, of doing most of those rebooted is they're either on weekends or weeknights because we have jobs and we have other stuff we have to do. 
So I'm coming into this reboot. It it's hot as balls outside, and the oh, reason I that I say that is because <laughs> you have to turn yeah. off your AC and you have to turn off your fan when you're doing when you're recording because you don't want to pick it up. Like right now, I don't I don't give a shit if you hear my fan. Whatever, I'm not sweating my balls off for this one. But for an episode, you can't do that. So I'm already I've had a long day. I'm sitting drenched in sweat. We're all taking really passive-aggressive jabs at each other's lack of philosophical intelligence and just kind of, like, sucking ourselves off. And then we stop halfway through, and it's like, I, I don't think this is going to work. I think that just was my breaking point, not even to the episode, but to that mm. entire day, where I was like, you did not just waste an hour of my time sitting in my own sweat and filth for no good reason. <laughs> like, if you guys want to sit here and have a pissing contest, fine. But I'm I'm gonna leave if that's the case. And I was that's why I got so heated. I think it was just like this this boiling pot of just like it just nothing was working. Nothing was oh, and, working, and we and couldn't to, get over ourselves. Right. Oh, and to that point, I was I was like you know in, in any sort of movie when there's a character who maybe because they're a magical Negro. Maybe because of different factors, uh, training they have, but they say, y'all don't want to go that way. That way is fucked up. There's punchy sticks and dragons and bad over there. And then that person goes along with the group into that situation. And they're the one that ends up getting fucking killed. That's that. That's I'm sorry. But that's what I, that's how I felt in the middle of it. That's how I felt. I felt like I knew it was going to be bad. I let myself get dragged into it. And then I got killed, especially. Because on that one, I can feel it. I don't want to, nobody can, tries to keep tallies. These are all, all our communal ideas. But at the same time, sometimes you can tell when you're contributing more or you're contributing less. And I felt like I was contributing nothing because I couldn't find any purchase on any of it, even as I tried to push through, you know? Because I pushed through several times before our, our, uh, our um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids episode. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I, I, dude, I, don't, don't get that next to me with a 10-foot pole. And that ended up being great, and I tried to push through it, and I did on that one. So when my powers didn't kick in, when I couldn't flip the switch, as it were, on the Matrix one, it really messed me up. Let me, let me jump on that, because we got a question in the chat about our process. And uh, Langley Neely, who is a great fan of both, um, both of our podcasts and then this show as well, Lovely. wants to know... You know, have we ever considered coming into the show and all of us pitching our own ideas to each other and trying to find some common ground with our individual pitches? And no, that is not how this show works, and very no. specifically so. I, and I on actually, top of that... Uh, sorry, I was just going to say, I actually think the times that we stumble and butt heads the most is when we... It's, it's, it's just like improv. It's like when you walk into the scene and you already have an idea and someone throws you a curveball, your immediate reaction is to no. Like you have to yes and. So whenever you come into one of these things, and I think, and we'll get to it, we'll do this episode, but I think Star Wars was that way too where maybe Ron and I kind of had our ideas and, and Ed had his ideas. And it's like instead of wasting time trying to compromise, we could have just built something from ground zero together. So that's like the worst way to come into these. Well, and the other thing is we don't talk to each other about our ideas beforehand. Like we don't know what the, what we're gonna say. And I think that's important. I think it's important for us to not talk about that stuff. We don't wanna have a plan. We wanna come in here and really try to work together even though all of us think on different levels. 
Like, and, and think, obviously, go sorry. ahead. Well, I, I think there's there's two reasons for that. Uh, just to just to elaborate on what you're saying, yeah. that like number one, ultimately that is the best creative process as long as you trust the people you're working with. I think a lot of the times when you come into a creative conversation with everything predetermined in your head, it's because you don't have confidence that the people you're talking to get it on the same level that you do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that's one of the things that we try to remain cognizant of, which leads into number two. The nice thing about not coming in with predetermined ideas is it allows you to internalize things that would never come up in your own head. Like the way that Ron or Ed or Billy thinks about a story I'm not going to say that it's better or worse than my, than me, but it's very different. And the, the 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 most responsible thing for me as a creative collaborator to do is to hear that and try to integrate it with whatever I'm thinking. So if it becomes this debate about like no, this is the right way to do it or no, this is the wrong approach, that other shows do that and it's lame. Like this is not a debate show. This is a show about creation. Yeah, I, I, and just just jumping on that, I I love everything that was just said because that's exactly right. And I would just add one thing: like when we're acquiescing to the reality that if and when you're in a room pitching ideas with people, it isn't about your little written down note cards. Of, oh, I hope I do this right. It's in that moment when your moment comes up to pitch your idea to make a series better to make a movie better to work with people who are really making things it's not going to be off of a series of note cards that you've serialized in a in, a, in, you know, in the dewey decimal system it's going to be you going this is what i think i think we should maybe da -da -da, multiple planets da -da 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 -da. you reel it off with confidence right there because you've been actively listening to the people around you mm -hmm. and you now you have your shot and now you have a great idea we're acquiescing so, to that reality in this show. So that being said, did you guys, when we were coming into the Matrix, did any of you actually have any preconceived ideas? Were you like, had you thought of something or did you just pop in totally blank? I think I tried to be as blank as possible. I, you know, I was really influenced by the Animatrix, which I think I brought up multiple times in the episode that I, I personally liked, you know, I, I think I, I, I wasn't trying to sidestep like, oh, we have to come up with some new philosophical thing. I think I was more like that part of the Matrix has been done, but there were so many cool stories from the Animatrix that I felt like we could have something very similar to that. But then again, that's just like, you know, you find out really quick that everyone else's brain was on a different wavelength. So I kind of, I shut that part down. I brought it back up later as kind of like a, just like a get out of jail free card to just get out of the episode. Like, can we just come up with the monster of the week to get out of it? But in terms of like this big, what would my matrix look like? I, I don't have it. I'm one of the few people that actually really like the sequels. So I wasn't like, well, I'm going to pitch what I would have done. Cause I, I liked what mm. they did. Uh, right. No, say. no. Hard yeah. 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 Go ahead, no, no, I, I, I totally agree. Hard same as well. Uh, not in that I like the metric sequels that much, but in that I understand what an arduous storytelling task they were. No matter what you did to try to explain the different levels of the matrix, after you see a guy fly away, a lot of people, that's where they enter the story, but a lot of people, that's where they exit it. You know what I mean? And I think maybe I'm one of those people where it's like, that's why I exited it, where you, you've acknowledged that the system is a bad thing. You've acknowledged that you have enough power to affect it but not destroy it, not unless you get a lot more people on your side. 
that to me is like the perfect place to end that tale. Because once, you know, once we talk about community organizing, yeah, I'm Harvey Milk. We're going to get everybody <laughs> together. You know, once you get to that point of the, of the story, it just seems weird, which is why they do all this Merovingian Da, 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 da. all this all this they do a three-card monty in front of your face for two movies it seems like trying to make you trying to trying to i don't know make you desire all these deeper levels they want you to go to by by showing you these moments of intrigue is what i'm saying i'm showing you the sub basements uh, the sub basement aspect of the matrix where they had witches and werewolves and stuff that was interesting as hell to me if i had my druthers coming in with my own preconceived ideas i think i would have said something like there's a part of the matrix in the first matrix you seem it seems like everybody gets freed at the same time what if there was sections that didn't know the war was over or there's sections where the computers are held hold up where they have a whole nother mythology and a whole nother way to get out of the matrix but again that's almost just like the the the, the, the spree d'escalier the 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 wit of the staircase that this property engenders is just enormous yeah, I had a couple of preconceived notions. Uh, you always do, Ron. I, yeah. like, I want to call you out because you, yeah. you're you the one who comes into these episodes being like, here's what I think we should do. Yeah. And it's always like, all right, well, let's let's hear it, but like, let's get past it. Yeah, except for that I'm great and you guys are wrong. <laughs> I mean, not look, for, for every Actually, 100 can I, can I... ideas that you throw out, like the, the right one is usually in there. Like yeah, the yeah. one that we end up going with is usually stuck somewhere around 67 look look okay uh i did have preconceived notions and they were dumb i'm gonna admit 100 percent right now they were dumb one i was like i just want a female lead and i just want to explore the relationship between robots and people uh look sometimes i'm not brilliant i tell uh dick jokes to drunk people in oregon and uh, and sometimes that comes out uh, I also have some very nuanced and intelligent material, and when I get to that stuff, uh, I'm very good at it. But yeah, I did have preconceived notions, and I think that that was another problem that uh, that we had was because I had these kind of like ideas of where this should go. I think it definitely got in the way of us making a little progress. I would say. Um, so let me ask you guys: after it's been a month, it's been a month since we did this. Maybe it seems like a year to some of you. Because uh, you haven't left your domicile for anything but food. But uh, does it still give you nightmares, or do you feel okay about the episode? How you feeling? I can't watch it, man. I tried to. Yeah. I tried to watch really? it, the whole thing again, and there's there's like two rebooted episodes that I won't watch, and this is definitely one of them. I mean, we. So this is a story that hasn't been told publicly. But, you know, so we had kind of some bad juju on this episode and then we bounced right back. I think we recorded the next day, Super Mario Brothers, and yeah. it was like a 180 in terms of uh, I think we all just wanted to just like pretend like the Matrix never happened. <laughs> and even if it was like some like like faux niceness, it was at least like super like, yeah, let's just be best friends. And then this episode was going to come out. This was a couple weeks later. And it's it's almost like this thing is cursed because we then had like differences of opinions on how to present this episode and how to market this episode and i was like look i had a tantrum in the middle of this i'd say let's let's jerry springer maury povich and lean into the fact that like i got mad and not everyone agreed with me and i was like well 
blow me. We're going to do it anyway. And then, you know, like it's, it was just this thing where it's like, you almost become possessed by this episode. And it's like, my ego just took over and I started to do things without asking and upsetting other people. And then we had to like stop and really like have some arguments again about how to present this. Like, I after we do this rewind for this Matrix episode, I never want to talk about it again. I never <laughs> talk about it again. I'm like I never say never, but I'm as close to as never as you can get for saying like I will not do another like reboot it part two for this. Like I'm well, do, done. Well, let, let let me jump in from the other people chair because I was the other people he was just talking about. <laughs> like it really made me very mad. And we had like and and uh, and guys, just I want to I want I want people to get something out of this. So when we were at our maddest, it was over text. Please don't talk about anything serious or business wise <laughs> in your life over text. I think it even you took us like a couple back and forth volleys to realize that there was actually bad feelings. Like we couldn't mm -hmm. tell if the other person was joking and we had to jump on a phone call. Exactly. I Ed, I want you to finish that thought. I just want mm. to address something that's happening in the chat right here. Guys, we are going to come around to hearing your ideas about story and addressing some of your comments on the story we came up with. But part of Reboot at Rewind is that we are trying to make this a director's commentary on what you've already seen. So we are trying to unpack this. And this one is probably a little bit more cathartic than most because like to this day, as Billy and Ed are just saying, like we have some real weird mixed feelings about how this all went down. So we figured we'd just talk about And I don't think we've ever, as four of us, like really talked about it. Because like I said, the next day and even subsequent recordings, like we just kind of were like, it's like the weird thing that happened that none of us talk about. We don't bring it up. Like maybe we'll make a joke like, oh, this will be easier than Matrix. But we never like mm. actually talk about why it was just such like a like I'm not going to say it almost broke the show, but I was about ready to be like, I don't want to do this again for a while. You know, oh no, Billy, you, you Billy, you behind the scenes straight up threatened to quit the show based on the Matrix. <laughs> Like you well, straight up yeah, you well, quitting. I, I just well, like I, I didn't want to get into the like I was like I love reboot it and I think it was because like we had such good magic that I was a little heartbroken, although it was pretty naive to not be that eventually we were gonna butt heads, but I was just like so heartbroken that something that I loved like doing so much was just such a nasty experience and not just once, but like over the course of a couple of weeks of just like nastiness that I was like, I don't really want this. But again, like when you get to that point, and I think that's when you and I had our phone call a couple of weeks later, Ed, where it's just like, you also have to be like, well, part of that is because it's, it's my ego, like my ego getting in the way of trying to do, like, it's never just everybody else's fault. Like sometimes you have to be like, how am I contributing to this? You know? Well, yeah. And just to finish my thought on that, um, I was, again, I got to say, I was probably part of the nasty. I was one of the nasty boys. I was one of the nasty boys. You always are, Dude, I was one of the nasty boys. I guess I was the nasty boys because I just, I was almost like trying to be punitive on Billy for how it went because I felt like Billy, I felt like, honestly, I didn't know exactly how Bill felt and I knew Ron was gung-ho. So I almost counted on Billy to put the brakes on this and he didn't. So that's strike one. I was mad that you didn't put the brakes in this and realized that it was too hard, quote unquote. On the whole episode, you mean? I'm just yeah, like yeah, yeah. Just exactly. doing it, period. Doing the, episode, it, it, doing the episode, period, is what I'm talking about right now. But then on top of that, when we decided to debut it, we had a whole, yeah, we were going to market how 
how frankly messed up everything had gotten and sort of like, hey, see how we survived this on the next Mori, like Billy was saying. And I just rejected that so yep. hard. I, I just did disliked it and I said something to the effect of go ahead and do it and if it tanks our audiences and ruins everything then there you go that's what you get or something like that yeah and you were so disheartened that I was like not going to be a team player that I was going to try to eject and be like you guys are going to look dumb but I was the one but again reflect back on the guy on the shores that said don't get on the boat and sail into the dragon's mouth. It was funny I because I was upset on the shore. That, that you were threatening to do the exact same thing that I had done. Exactly. During and the I'm episode. Saying, yeah. Dude, yeah. and that's what I'm trying to get to. The Matrix brought the B out in all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it really I, did. I, I got to say, I actually kind of had an opposite reaction to you guys, uh, which is probably a thing that happens a lot, which is after doing this episode, I realized that I need to come into this with less expectations and less thoughts on things. And I needed to learn more about story. So what I started doing was like literally watching videos about uh, script writing. Uh, I, I signed up for masterclass and I've been watching Neil Gaiman and a bunch of other uh, things because I realized like while I'm an, a creative and interesting person, I don't know as much about like telling a story as, as you three do. You're just and so, so damn pure, Ron. I can't stand well, it sometimes. Really, really. You're just, <laughs> you know what's being you know a what's pure wild. light. <laughs> you know what's wild though? Like that that reaction in Ron is the exact sort of reaction that we want to inspire in the audience by even doing this show to begin with. Right? Like the mission statement behind us even doing reboot it is like we want to elevate the appreciation for and understanding of how stories work and how putting a movie together works so that we can get past some of the more like juvenile and uninformed opinions about these properties. And I, that may sound elitist and I'll just own that. I 100% am. But like, <laughs> I like hearing, I like hearing that you had that reaction, Ron, because that's, that's exactly what we're trying to inspire here. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I want to get better at things and like, it's the same thing with standup. I realized I wasn't looking at this the way I look at standup. The way I look at standup is like, I go and I do standup, and if jokes don't go well, I don't get mad about the jokes going well anymore than I go, okay, well, I messed up, and I, I'll be upset about that for a minute, but then I go, well, how do I fix this? And then I take the steps to get better at standup, and I should be doing the same thing with this type of thing, not just because it's rebooted and it's, and it's whatever, but it's storytelling. Like, I should be getting better at that. Like, I love stories. I mean, I read fantasy books. I write fantasy books I'm yeah and, and not to. to be and not to be patronizing or anything but it's not gone unnoticed i think i called your ass on one of the episodes i was like this fool talk about the central wound <laughs> look, at this, look, at this, look at the big brain on brad talk about the, this dude's got the central wound daddy he, he was wounded as a child and like look at this guy coming up with all the motivations and the, and the mythic structure and the hero with a thousand faces this guy well, so I don't want this to get too navel gazing. So, I mean, let's let's start maybe transitioning because I think that where we ended up on the episode, I was actually fairly happy with yes. in a weird way. Like this whole idea of we we're, we're presenting the reality of what sort of a post singularity society might look like and what sort of an integrated human machine society might look like where there isn't this sort of forever war going on where it is like the humans have basically decided to become machines and the machines mm -hmm. are, are the humans but you don't know that when you start 
And the guy who wakes up and thinks that he has to fight the oppressive system is really just a mistake. And so the system is trying to reintegrate him so that it runs optimally, but he takes his rugged individuality to sort of become a freedom fighter. And we, we as the audience slowly over the course of the story start to realize like, oh my God, everything this guy is doing is wrong. It's sort of like you start looking at him as a freedom fighter and you end looking at him as a terrorist. And he then has to take the journey of like, oh my God, I've empowered these other people. This gets into the fight club thing that we got to towards the end. I've empowered all these other minds, freed them from the system, set them down the self-destructive path, but like it's gonna ruin everything. And, and to me, that is meaty and interesting and no, it wasn't a fully developed story, but like for as contentious of a road as it took to get there, I really liked that. Yeah, I liked mm -hmm. the idea too. I thought it was great. And it, uh, it, it, it put together what I kind of wanted, which was not as high-minded as it, but like I really did want to see where a relationship between AI and people could go. And I, I think you guys took it there. How about yeah, you guys? I I, I just the, the the again the thing that that weirded me out about the episode was I it felt like a novel idea, and 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 like that that was the thing that like us I think that's what left a little bit of bad taste in our mouths even though we at the end we did pull off a story we yeah. put together one and one that made sense and one that was avant garde because if you look at how I don't like people saying things are dated or things have aged poorly. But given the fact that everybody seems to be in the streets fighting against the system right now, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would be super down with like, no, just do as you're told. Uh, storytelling right now. Uh, but, it is an interesting you know. question, though. Yeah, but go. go no, ahead. no, no, no. You're you're right. It is because what if that that's kind of the point of the story? What if it was though? What if yeah. just like during the quarantine, frankly, it was better that for a time everyone acquiesced to a certain lifestyle. For, for the greater good you know what i'm saying it was almost like right after we had decided that that wasn't workable the human race was put into a situation where they literally had to do what we said about in the story yeah Absolutely. i think i think honestly that's why i think i after after i got really heated i almost went into like this like blind kind of awake coma where i was just like yeah that sounds great i love that i don't remember contributing <laughs> i don't remember the contributing number? anything because yes. i just wanted it to end and honestly like mm. i i don't really like that pitch of a story i still don't i don't think it's that interesting to me personally um cool. and and i think for all the reasons we just laid out like if that came out now it would just it would be so tone deaf to what is happening in 2020 even though it had nothing to do with that like just spiritually it just feels so disconnected from like what is happening in front of us that i'm not sure that would even be a message that i could get behind like losing your individuality for the sake of holding up the group i almost feel like summed up why i was getting so irritated in that moment was because i feel like that's exactly what i was being asked to do and i was like this sucks and i hate it so, so that that's that's why I it's just like so meta. but I but I think at a certain point I was just like sure it sounds great uh, like I can literally smell dinner being cooked right now and I just want to <laughs> no, get no, out no, of no. this room. No. I just I just want to do I just want to interject. I could I could totally tell when everybody checked out cuz I was like just please let these needles get out of my eyes. <laughs> you were like I'm so hot. Bill was like dude, I solved it. Let's get out of here. Ron was like I love everything. 
and it was like that meme of the dog sitting inside the fire like this is fine <laughs> at, at the end i was like this is fine as in ended and it felt so different from other rebooted episodes because as you saw right the next few ones i think the next three after that were just like boom ping ping bang bang bang, bang, bang. no fire yeah Absolutely. yeah they were the, we were all on fire we all uh I think we learned the the to not come into this loaded for bear, as it were, come into some of these concepts loaded for bear. But again, I also think we learned that like preconceived notions can really mess stuff up, especially if you're not successful at pushing through. Because like, nobody's gonna enter this with no preconceived notions. That's no un- impossible. Sure. But to push through it and to really listen to the group and try to make that group mind to be that's, open that's to ideas better. is the key. It's yep. not having, it's not not having ideas. It's to be open to other ideas. And I think we've, we've done pretty well on that. Um, and speaking of that, I think this is a great time for us to start moving into talking about some of the comments that people left. Let's do um, it. But Ron, before you get into that, I'm just going to yeah. address a couple things in the chat. Um, sure. Sar- Sartak Bandari, I hope I'm saying your name right. Um, you, you had an interesting idea. You said, Having recently watched Pi from Darren Aronofsky, my idea is inspired by that film. What if the Matrix is humanity's attempt to communicate with higher dimensional beings or God? It's an interesting idea. I feel like you're mm-hmm. layering way more spirituality than on a movie that's already dripping in spirituality, which I don't think is something to shy away from, but I don't know. Might I like that work. better, honestly, <laughs> oh, just, as a, just as a well, template for something. Well, just jumping on that, uh, Ho Ho Chi Anderson uh, has a comic book out right now called Godhead, and the whole adventure started because a corporation has found a device that can literally talk to God. Whoa! The whole world. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of pie. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. love that idea. I just feel like so much of the Matrix becomes about systems of control, right? Like that is the theme of the movie. Um, so if you were to go down that road, I would just want the story to address how is religion a system of control? How is the, 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 the concept of God in and of itself a system of control? So yeah, that's what I would be pushing if we and, went that way. And I would just say there's no computer that can talk to God when there's no God. You know what I mean? That's just, yeah. that's just me. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's where I would have a problem with that. So moving on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Ron, there is no spoon swallow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, that's um, the only place I get negative. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, and so, so Sartak Bandari also says, what would a post-singularity society look like? I think the problem lies in the details. I just wanted to address that because I think that's both correct, but also something that I would love to see media get past on mm-hmm. a macro sense. I yeah. think that we are you know, the advances in computing power are growing exponentially. And there's this idea that the singularity, which is the moment at which um, computer thought basically outpaces human thought, is feeling more and more real. And the reason it's called the singularity is because there's an event horizon. You can't see the other side of it. And so for the longest time, stories have sort of skirted up to the edge of that and then not really tried to address, well, what does society look like when super intelligent computers are constantly optimizing everything without humans being involved? It's kind of scary and it's also hard to know because we can't think that way. That said, I think there's ways to start to get into that territory and we're gonna have to from an entertainment and art standpoint because it's a reality we're gonna end up dealing with sooner than later. 
So yeah, and, 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 and yeah, and just just what I was gonna say is that's what made it so maddening to me. Is just what you just said, Bill. The fact that the Wachowskis literally had a philosophical debate and boiled it down to a freaking kung fu fight. Yeah, that's the brilliance of the Wachowskis. They yeah. were able to take. Uh, basically a bunch of philosoph- philosophies put them in a blender and have them kung fu fight for supremacy in front of people it's like if you were if you were trying to make a way for dumb asses to understand philosophy you couldn't do any better than that if you tried you <laughs> never could defeat that you never could well and so, it had and such so, a you know it had every something for everybody that was well, yeah so that's why i was so like ah i was making the cross fingers against the dracula of this idea and putting garlic around my neck, like Akuma, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because like, <laughs> and I, look, just, I just hated that we were going to try to do something better than philosophical Kung Fu fights. The fact that we were trying to beat that, I'm just like, what beats that? Like literally what beats that? But that's and the point of the that, show that, that, for me, not yeah. to like get into no, the no, same no, argument, no, but, dude, but it's like. No, no, I know. That's why, that's when, why that's I was why we getting had our so clash, though. frustrated because you're probably right. Nothing beats Kung Fu. <laughs> and it's like once <laughs> you bang your head into the wall for an hour and realize like, oh, like we don't have something better. But I also, I think my, my point was like, I don't, I, but I didn't regret trying. And I didn't want to say no to at least trying because then we say no to a lot of other things that I still want to try. You brought me around on that just to make it very, very clear. You did bring me around to that because some of the things that we tried subsequent, I was just like, you know what? I tried to stop us from being dumb. I'm (laughs) going to stop. I'm going to stop doing it now. It's it's amazing, Ed, because like as uh, as one of like, honestly, one of the best standups I've ever seen in my whole life. I've been doing comedy for 26 years. I've seen comedians up and down this whole pack i have seen you also pardon my french eat a dick on stage plenty of times but Mm -hmm. you've always looked at what you did and fixed it and got better and i think that's the same thing was what we were doing on this it's like you just look the 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 things that didn't go well and you just keep working on it and you keep getting better and better and better well, dude, I mean, it, if and when there's a position as failure salesman, you got the job, Ron. You got it. <laughs> you convinced me of the value of it. But at the time, I did not see it as that. I thought yeah. it was whack for our business model to show ourselves to be mortal in this fashion. And I, I and I knew that everybody knew that from our stumblings and bumblings and the fact that we don't edit any of it. But at the same time, we stumble and bumble our way into some genius stuff all the time. And to see us stumble and bumble and knife each other to death like a bunch of cats <laughs> in a bag, it just was it was too much for me. I didn't I couldn't understand it. I couldn't I couldn't yeah. process it. And I couldn't process how to show our necks in that fashion. And what it dawned on me after this premiered was how much people I don't want to say care about us, that's a bit much, but they do care to see the reality of what we're doing. And I think that it, that, that episode after that I saw a spike in the numbers, it seems like. But people were really kind of tuning in to be like, this could go off the rail. It was like we became NASCAR. Part of <laughs> when does part the wreck the happen? Appeal. When does yeah, the part, wreck happen? Dude, part of the appeal is that it could. You hope it doesn't. You hope it goes great and we have a great fun race. But part of the appeal is that it might not. And I didn't see that before this, and now I do. And it's exciting now. It's given an excitement to the rest of the episodes, frankly. Cool. So, Ron, let's get into those comments. Let's do it. Uh, so the first one, which is, uh, this is a really good one. Uh, we, we got, uh, uh, from first off, I just want to say 
thank you guys for commenting, for caring about this. And so we're gonna read these, tell you guys some of our favorite ones and try to talk about them a little bit. So this one's from Dex Baker. Uh, and he said, uh, Topical as hell. Wow. <laughs> yeah. More than somewhat. <laughs> wow. I think, I think that was Ron's idea um, in the episode, that idea that, like, at one point we all chose to be in this and then and then we generationally forgot about it. So, again, Ron, as much mm -hmm. as you feel like you're lagging behind, bring in the gold into the episode, man. Yep. Well, you know, when I watched The Matrix, I remember the first time I watched The Matrix, one of my first thoughts was, Man, how cool would it be to to do that? To be in the Matrix and be like doing the kung fu and having all the cool stuff, you know what I mean? So Oh, if we if we end up in the Matrix, it's going to 100% be because we chose to be there. It will have nothing to do with a war. It will just have to do with Oh, we thought this simulated virtual reality was awesome and it was so awesome we never wanted to leave and next thing you know, hyper-intelligent machines are using us for batteries. <laughs> and and I'm and I'm telling you something the guy who wrote Ready Player One is the first life model decoy robot. He, he really put it in our minds that the Oasis is the dopest place to be. And so if you think about it, the stuff in Ready Player One is just the Matrix with, all, with, with most of the bad stripped away, with it being more of a game, with it being more of a, you know, a distraction than like a world. You know what I'm saying? Both of them have dominating systems, but I just think it's, it's interesting that we're, we're liking these ideas of being away from reality more and more as outside gets more and more dangerous. I, this doesn't seem like a perfect storm for a, a matrix to happen. What we're going through right now is with as much time as we spend away from each other. Away, you're away from other human beings. You're inside. And the only way that you can connect with other people is get on the dang internet and jack in some kind of way. It's a, per, it's a perfect Spe storm. Speaking of which, the comments just blew up. Um, Apparently, Billy, when we are bringing the image up on screen, uh, we're losing sound. Yeah, we'll try to fix that. Uh, okay. That's, that's what, if you see me looking off to the corner right now, I, I saw that. I'm going to see if I can fix it. We'll, we'll test it in a sec. Thanks for bearing with us, guys. We are, uh, this Reboot Rewind format is something we're figuring out as we go along, and we like the, the fact that it's way looser than the normal episode. <laughs> uh, and speaking of way looser than the normal episode, you guys, uh, we're going to take a quick uh, little break. Uh, it's not really a break. Uh, it's uh, an opportunity uh, to, because, <laughs> look, we love your guys' comments, and we love your guys' support. And because of your guys' support, we've gotten, like, a lot of uh, bravery, and we're going to try something new. Uh, so I want to give it up to Bill to talk about uh, GOAT Comics coming up. Ron with that smooth transition. Right? It's like an eh? aluminum Good cider Lord. salesman. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, going to just take 30 seconds here. If you haven't seen the video, we are doing original comics. This is a project that has been long in the making. Um, this is something that Ed and I are spearheading. It's called GOAT Comics, and we're running a Kickstarter. So Goat Comics is a 48-page prestige graphic album. It's an anthology. We're doing short stories, glimpses. There's going to be six different concepts created by myself and by Ed, some of which stretch back to our childhood, some of which are, are new and fresh and interesting. But we're just trying to give you a dump from our brains, great art, great stories, great characters, stuff that we think you will love. And you can get a pre-order on 
June 22nd when the Kickstarter goes live. Yeah, I am so pumped to check out uh, how this all turns out. Obviously, I get a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look, but I'm telling you guys, it is super exciting, uh, exciting to see what these guys have come up with. It's uh, it's beautiful and artistic and interesting, and comes from these two big brains. And I'll, I'll just Ed I'll just Bill. say one last word on it because I don't want to be a horn tutor or whatever. But I will say this about the project: as we have taken these these last you know this last period of time to put together the material to make this book, and I've seen the stuff that Bill's doing. It's so inspiring, uh, and and I, I I I go back to how I was thinking when I saw his work first come through and how it pumped me up to like raise my level. So this is the best stuff that I've ever done. Uh, I think this is the, the best compendium of stuff that Bill's ever done. You're getting the best of us in this. So, like, uh, please get on there on June 22nd and uh, and support it, please. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, guys. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I said that on purpose. Really, I totally hey, did. I want to answer. I want to answer a couple of questions that came up on the chat. Uh, sure. Goat Comics. Yes, not only is Ed drawing his own story, Ed is drawing three stories plus illustrations of the battle royales that we do on nerd goat so that's something that you guys have been asking for is animation comics something we are dramatizing some of those battle royales another question will you ship internationally there will be an international option um kickstarter is only specifically available in a few countries i think mostly in europe if you are not in one of those countries down the line we will make uh the books available as merchandise but you will not be able, unfortunately, to be part of the initial um, buy-in. So if you are in a, in a country that gets Kickstarter, yes, we will ship to you. If not, it will be available eventually. And probably the first thing that will be available is a digital copy. So that'll be something to look for once the books come out. Awesome. And let's get back to those comments. Uh, here's a good one uh, from Erica Kamatalo. Uh, hopefully I did not uh, destroy that name. Uh, I wish you had taken the concept of joining a collective a step further and discussed the point at which continuing to exist is no longer worth the loss of our true humanity. I think that would have been more revolutionary, responsible, and harder, but that's just my taste. Hmm. Uh, this was one I, I responded to specifically um, in the comments because I thought this was an amazing comment and a really good take and totally wrong. And Billy, I want to hear your I want to hear your opinion on this. But my feeling is this goes back to the whole post singularity world that Sartak Bandari brought up in the comments. You don't know that it won't be worth it. You can't say that because you don't know what the reality will be at that time. That's you imposing early 21st century perspective on a world that you cannot understand. And that's why I think it's really interesting story ground because Yes, right now, the way society is set up, the way our brains function, the fact that we are not networked in to other people's experiences, emotionally, physically, mentally, whatever, it's not a good idea to just join the collective. It very well may be in a hundred years time when your personal experience of life, the things you think and feel and believe aren't separated by meat bags from the guy next to you. It's going to be a totally different world, and that's the sort of thing that I would want the story to explore. Yeah, it's like worrying about your job when you live in Star Trek land. You don't need well, to worry yeah. about it. No, but I mean, that's a good example, Ron, because like, if you live in a post-scarcity 
healthy society yeah. where everything is manufacturable on mm -hmm. a nanoscale at no cost and free energy exists throughout the universe that can take you anywhere at light speed, you don't really need to have a job because money, all money is, is it's a way to partition limited resources. It's a system to structure how we're using things that are rare and valuable. When things no longer become rare and valuable, you don't really need a job. Yeah. So again, yeah, it's, I, I love stories that tread ground like that. And I hate people, I'll say it, I hate people who can't expand their minds to consider that that might be a possibility. I'm not saying it will happen, but you gotta have the, the, the intellectual flexibility, the bandwidth to say that, that might be how things are. The things I value in my life might be totally worthless in X number of years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all getting that a little bit while we're living in quarantine. It's, it's like uh, values and ideas of what's important really has changed. So um, let's also, uh, anybody else wanna comment on that? I, I don't know. I feel like you pimped me out, Bill, but I, I'm actually like fairly you, apathetic to it. Like I see where I see where you're coming from. I just am nowhere near the zealot that you are when it comes to, <laughs> uh, you know, free your mind, man. It's like I, I, I get where she's coming from. That's probably what my kind of thought process was as well going into the show. But it's also just like. I don't, I don't want to say this because this is such like a shitty thing to say, especially like halfway into this, but it's just like, I really loved those Matrix sequels. It really made me think, but I don't know if I care enough. Like, I, I just feel like in general, the philosophy stuff is just, it's a little bit like, I'll say it, I, I'm a little bit more of a simpleton than I think I would rather admit to myself. Like, I either don't know or don't care enough to really like dig into the like free your mind shit like that's why i think the the idea of like an animatrix was so appealing to me because it's like i just liked the concept of the matrix as like a vehicle to tell other kind of interesting stories around not like let's rewrite nietzsche for two hours and put some kung fu in it that's that's just me because i i don't know i start to get a little cross-eyed when it starts to get like the singularity of the philosophy. Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, 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 just let, let me jump in. Let me jump. Let me jump in from the centrist chair. I'm right in the middle of both of you guys because I get what I get. Everything Bill is saying, and I get what you're saying, and it's not some defense of being a dullard. Um, it it is. I, I come at it as knowing the rules of drama is quite hard enough, and to me, to be able to dramatize things physically especially in an action, I guess we weren't even thinking about whether we were going to make it strictly an action movie. We we're just trying to see if we could explore the Matrix concept. But like, to me, the action is part of it. And when you t and like, it felt like it was stripping as we got more collective it was stripping away opportunities for action and making action more sucker punchy to where it was kind of removed from the actual act of whatever the meat bags were doing. And it just kind of got a little, but I definitely see exactly what you guys are talking. It's just like, to me, it felt like I was I was trying to do a dramatic reading in a foreign language, and I felt like it was hard enough to just speak the foreign language cogent enough for people to understand what we were saying. So let's just speak broken French and get our baguette and be on our way. But Bill wanted to be like, no, I will debate science with you. I just learned French yesterday. And it, it was like, oh, yeah. my God, I was just like, this is too much. But again, it's what the show is about. We're going to tug each other in these different ways. Yeah, absolutely. 
Cool. Awesome. I obviously have nothing to say about that. <laughs> so let's have another question. Yeah. Uh, Reggie Rules. Uh, he said, I'm not a creative. Um, I'm just a fan of pop culture in almost any form I can get it. But I feel you fell into the same trap the Wachowskis did in the second two movies. This kind of actually addresses what we were just talking about, actually. Uh, where you let the high concept and thought-provoking background stuff get in the way of the story and be in the foreground instead. I mean, the Matrix movie slash story is that our reality isn't real and it's being controlled by another, in this case an AI, and it is discovered and broken free from by individuals who question reality and find a way out and the one to then fight the AI Matrix. Taking your idea of the individual, the one versus the whole, the matrix, in a similar setup with the question of who is right and who is wrong is really cool. You just got bogged down by the question and kind of ignored the story and got really upset with each other for 40, 50 minutes before <laughs> getting halfway to a reboot and then gave up. I'll say three out of five only because you didn't finish it, but I'll still give it a thumbs up. And that was from Reggie I mean, Rules. That's, that's kind of where I fell. I, I feel yeah. like we got so enamored with the question that it just became like the the story was secondary and i i i understand like you kind of you know it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg thing but it's just like i don't know with all due respect to all three of you on the screen we were just so far up our own asses that it was just like tedious and monotonous after a while like those 45 minutes may as well have been you know four or five years at that point in terms of like my attention span it's it's wild because like i was so into that like by the the last half hour of that episode i was so into the conversation but i also was very aware that the rest of you guys weren't and so it became sort of a <laughs> weird experience and i i just also want to address the the point that he made in his in his uh comment is almost the whole problem of this thing the matrix as a story is not about people who are in a system who wake up and start to fight back because the matrix reloaded tells you specifically nobody woke up nobody freed their own minds this is a system that was designed to make you think that was happening and you just believed it because you're a rube like that is the story and yep. so then it becomes something else whether or not they executed that really well debatable and like i'm not going to defend those movies on an execution level but on a conceptual level I liked what they did and it just becomes hard to talk about the sequel because I still don't, I still think most people don't get that that was the point of reloaded. Yeah. 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 Right. Yep. Yep. I think that's exactly right. Um, and the next comment we got from Manu Manuel Castro uh, was listening to this one while driving and in my head, I was thinking two movies, movie one, the main character starts to experience deja vu or recalling memories they don't remember living. This leads to them to question reality a la Truman Show as the AI tries to correct this glitch. The character starts to manipulate the simulation and eventually escapes, but only to find that the world is in shambles and they're not the only one to have done this. Movie two is like Snowpiercer, where the people that have escaped the simulation lead a revolution against the AI, only to find that the reason they were there in the first place was a willing decision from humans of the past to either escape life or to better the world, but the AI ran the simulation too long, and now the revolters have to decide to go back and live a lie or to learn from the past and think differently and maybe work with the AI instead of allowing it to do everything. I don't know. IDK. <laughs> <laughs> Love that ending. 
Yeah, I know. Me I too. Know. I don't know. I just, I just this uh, crazy big con these these crazy couple of big concepts. I don't know. Dude, no, that that sounds like me. I love it. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. But yeah, um, I yeah. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. I mean, I I think that's an interesting concept. I think that that falls into the trap that I was feeling a lot about everything that came up in our Matrix episode. Like it's fine, but it just doesn't feel like the Matrix because it doesn't feel like it's gonna it's gonna blow me on my ass the way that I would want a Matrix movie to. So that's just me. Yeah. Well, it's just also that there's a dark cityification to a lot of things, right? Even things like uh, um, the movie Upgrade. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you have an adventure and the hero has such agency throughout so much of it. And then at the end or near the end, they're sort of stripped. You know, usually that happens in action movies where the hero, what was working for them, stops working. You have to find a new way. But some of these science, science fiction movies, they just sort of go, nah, you suck. You're in the simulation. You, you, you suck. You lost. And like that really bothered me. And that, that that's what I came in with preconceived notions about is like, how could we make the ending of the first one not like the most perfect ending ever? The ending of the first one would be now you're ready to fight. Like you guys were losing so bad. It was hilarious. There was no resistance. But now that you guys actually have one, you got a chance now. The second one is, oh, this thing is harder to kill than ever and we try hard and at the end we sort of fail and then the third one is about us winning simple <laughs> we were just like nope <laughs> no thank you <laughs> <laughs> and that was just like oh okay because i felt I, I felt like it was going to be star wars honestly just one last thing i felt like it was going to be star wars i felt like the universe was going to hate us we were going to hate each other for trying it and then somewhere in the middle we were going to go oh but what if he doesn't have to be that and right. it was going to click I just thought that that was going to happen. And when it did it, it was so like disheartening. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, that was just fine. Yeah. Um, I just, I want to take this opportunity. We got a couple more comments to get through, but if you guys in the chat want to suggest anything, if you want to, if you want to respond to anything that we're saying, do it now because we're, we're winding down here. Uh, even though I'm sure we could go on about this for hours. Um, so get your comments and I'm looking at them. If, if it's good, we'll bring it up. Cool. Um, let's see, what do we got next? Oh, uh, Ultimate Kyubi Fox. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, this, uh, what I was not expecting in this episode is how Ron was actually kind of invaluable. Uh, plenty of times I felt like he would be trying to reach a synthesized early conclusion, but really he was keeping the conversation going and made sure that everyone else continued trying. The interrogation where he got into let's all name two things we've liked so far was in hindsight the only reason this episode managed to find a plot for the story. I've been in many group situations where a person wasn't there to try and touch base with everybody and the whole thing would just fall apart. I think I genuinely learned something here, not to mention I actually think the story idea that this episode gets to by the end is pretty great. I can imagine a version of this movie that's super bold and engaging. I'd maybe get Darren Aronofsky on this as director because yeah. it'll take the fountain levels of director flair to make it work, but it definitely could. This movie needs to be visually nuts. I think, I, um, I think it's so true. Uh, just to get like genuine for a moment. It's, I think between myself and Ed and bill at any given point, there can be two of us that almost gang up on the other one. 
And Ron's kind of like the wait, 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 wait. Let's let's all and and you know I I agree. Sometimes I do feel like when things get a little heated, Ron, maybe your default position is like, I love it. It's great. We're all friends. Don't worry. Like we still love yeah. each other. But and and I think in this case, uh, you know, this this poster is a hundred percent right. Where it's like, in hindsight, it's almost like we were all sitting there with our arms crossed and it was like no one even wanted to bother to to try to salvage it except you at that point i mean honestly this was kind of like the beatles let it be it's like unfortunately you just watched four creatives who just weren't getting along didn't want to do it and it's like here's the shittiest bunch of a bunch of shit someone make something out of it and it took, uh, I, I think you kind of ringoed us into at least admitting that not everything was terrible and that there was enough on the table that we could at least try to keep it going. So it's like, uh, you know, in, in that sense, yes, you were, you are, your positivity, while we sometimes rag on you, it's, it's like invaluable because the rest of us can be very cynical and, and, and kind of uh, sarcastic. And, co-signed 100 i think and, we just uh, lost ron. ron was just so touched by the sentiment <laughs> <laughs> that, he, he that just... was perfect ron left so he could go cry it out a little bit <laughs> that was um, perfect in his absence i will say though that i 100 co-signed that and i think that that is an invaluable presence to have in any group especially any group of like smart people with a certain amount of ego you need somebody who can be that egoless giver who can be the person to be like, oh, Ron's back, perfect. Um, Ron, I was just saying that in any group of people, you need someone who can be egoless, who can be the the you know the middle ground, who can remind everybody that like we're all in this together. And I think that you serve that function in this group remarkably well. So well, thank you, you guys. And yeah. you know what's it's still funny because I remember I read that comment. And I, this was like shortly, I read that comment shortly after quarantine started and uh, I was a little panicked. I didn't know what, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get unemployment, blah, blah, blah. You know, all that stuff that I think everybody was feeling at that time, right? And because I was feeling so negative, the only thing I read was, this guy's surprised that I put anything into this. <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious because it just gives you the idea you know what i mean like it just gives you the idea of like where your mood can be that can make you believe of something when you read something and then when you when i rewrite it reread it later it was like oh okay well what i did was i you know did the thing that i like to do which is to try to like be like hey this is what we're trying to do together we try to yeah. you know be positive and and yeah uh you know like I said, I, it helped me realize that I do need to get better at storytelling because, look, I, I, I love you guys and like you guys, and I want to be on the same level. Oh, yeah, so, just like you did the, the most adult responsible thing, which is like <laughs> Ed and I just decided to tear each other down, and your yep. instinct is to like, how can I make myself better? And my instinct is like, how can I blame someone else? So <laughs> for, and it, honestly, like, I know that yeah. sounds funny, but like, I, it, it, it definitely like is an inspiration where it's like, and it took me three weeks to get to the point where I was like, maybe my ego is the problem. It took you 30 seconds to realize like, <laughs> 
your ego didn't matter and you needed to fix things around you. And then on top of that, you're like, I wonder how I can use this to better myself. Like that shit's inspiring. Like uh, out, of, out of the four of us, the amount of character that comes out of that is, is staggering. Also, well thanks guys. Darren Aronofsky inspired choice for director, Agreed. just to get back to the whole behind the scenes oh, yeah. follow up of the whole thing. Agreed. Oh, absolutely. 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 And uh, let me just be cheesy for a second and say that that really makes me feel nice because I'm not always confident and I'm insecure about things just like I think everybody else in the world is. So this type of thing is a nice thing to hear for when you guys comment stuff like that. It really does hit us where you think it hits us. Um, and yes, Darren Aronofsky, I don't know if you could do much better uh, with the concept that uh, that Bill is, uh, and everybody kind of came to at the end there. So uh, 100% agree. Yeah, well, that that was a long road. It was a long road to get to that to that stage of story, and it really kind of made me see the value in the times that we are clicking. That's why, in the end, I felt like it was okay to put it up because I was fighting even putting it out. I was on. I was on. I had a bomb on the tarmac, and I was like, "We're not going to Mars." And I was going to throw that <laughs> mug in the turbines. <laughs> and 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 you guys talked me off the gantry. You guys were like, "Okay, Houston, you have a problem with drinking." Sit down, and it's it's, it's 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 okay. It's okay for us to to show ourselves to be human. I have a real problem being human in front of people because I feel like I do it so much already. But you know, you know I, mean? I kind of think that's what makes the good ones even better is when you see that it's not like we edit this so we hit a grand slam every time. That was my right. whole thing. Was like, mm-hmm. you got to show the warts so that when we right. when we do feel good about it, it's like, yeah, see, we we earned that one. We didn't earn this one, but we've earned like, honey, I shrunk the kids. And and one one last thing, I, I love the the inside the park home runs we've gotten. The doubles that hit the top of the wall. The ground rule talking double. about it for a while. You know what I mean? I love those ones. That as was much like as James anything. Bond. We'll have to do James Bond eventually because that was one where it was just like it took forty minutes to get of that hour episode to finally get like ah oh, there it is. You know. We also got blown up in the comments on James Bond where everyone's like, "Oh, so you just created the Amazon Jack Ryan series? Dude, Real we, good job." We had pitched <laughs> right? Kingsman. We had right? pitched Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, we had uh, also, pitched I, Leslie Nielsen spy art. We pitched everything. <laughs> I haven't seen Jack, that Jack Ryan, so, uh, you know. I, I saw the first episode, and it's not great. But maybe it gets better. I will say this. In the chat, um, something that keeps coming up is everybody keeps throwing out um, suggestions for other things that we should do and other properties. People are saying that we should come up with stories for toy lines, this and that. Oh. Look, we have... We have had a lot of discussions about what is what are the natural spin-offs of Reboot It? Like, can we do sequelize it? Can we do adapt it? I mean, there's a lot of interesting things we could do on this channel. For right now, Reboot It is focused on movie franchises that have already been, that we're bringing back, and trying to, to walk that fine line of like, how do we reconcile what people already think with what other movies have done, with what this thing is at its core, and actually come up with something cool? I think that's an interesting question. In order to do the spinoffs, we gotta come up with like, all right, what is that journey? What are those problems? How do we turn this into an interesting discussion? But it is in the cards. Absolutely. Uh, and then we got this great uh, questions uh, from via Twitter, uh, Cheyenne B. Hodgson. Uh, two questions popped into my brain as I rewatched. One, 
do you know what JP's calls are going to be beforehand or are they done in the moment? It seems as though they are created in the moment so that they can soften or complicate the process as needed. Two, watching back, is this whole episode as meta to you as it was to me? Talking about conformity for the greater good and individuality. <laughs> Sub-question, when working on a team, how does your own individual goal either improve or detract from the process? Yeah, I think we've answered a little bit of this stuff, but like, uh, let's 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 talk about it some more. Well, well how, how about this? How about we answer the last part first because it's okay. maybe the first people's brains. How does how do you like uh, apply your process for me personally? I take a real pride in being more of like LeBron, like not as far as being so dope and everything, but like LeBron plays good, but he also passes the ball to other people so that they can play good. I I take pride in that, and that's all I think about. I don't think about how to get my dope ideas off because that's thinking about your shot. I get my shot in the flow of the game, but I'm more thinking more part of my brain is thinking about passing the ball. I, I'm going to co-sign that. I think th this show works best when we are trying to have the exact same experience doing it that we want you guys to have watching it. Like so much of this show is about us discovering and connecting and making those in the moment connections of like oh my god because the ultimate end goal is really to come up with a story and a product that like surprises and delights and moves us in some way and i think the interesting thing is we want to do that in the moment number one because it's a test of our storytelling skills like without preparing anything can we just do that do we know what we're doing enough and number two being able to bounce it between us is so much better than us just having all those internal conversations in our head of like, well, what would this, because these are the same conversations that you have, even if you're writing something solo, it's just, you have to have them with yourself if you're doing it solo. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And I you think, don't have the benefit of other people. Yeah. I think I've only come into honestly one, maybe two episodes. It's probably not even the ones you would think like not star Wars. I rarely, I come in as, almost as blank slate as I can. And Ed, you know this from doing SJU with me. I hate scripts. I hate following <laughs> something. Anytime I get a script for SJU, I literally would throw it on the floor because I don't want to know what's coming. Uh, and even with like, and this, this will transition into part one of the question, but even when we were putting together the live finale for Fantastic Four, uh, full disclosure, I guess, behind the curtain, the John Peters thing had to be recorded ahead of time. We had to kind of sync it. And I stopped it uh, so I wouldn't know what it was because I never want anything influencing me going into it. So my approach is always like blank slate. And sometimes that's great, uh, especially if I know the material. Sometimes it's not full. You know, I will admit the G.I. Joe, I think I it worked in in the in the he-man episode to not know anything but gi joe just coming in blank i had nothing to contribute and that's why i'm fairly quiet in that episode but for the most part uh i i don't like to come in really with any ideas maybe i'll grab a couple directors but even a lot of times like i i try to just be blank because you're right like nothing i come up with solo is probably going to be as interesting or even applicable by the time that we get into the episode yeah i never like coming into the episode with with casting or director choices because i i feel like those are best when they are actual reactions to the story and try it's like 
you know, what if we would have come into the Back to the Future episode being like, for example, Tom Holland should be the star of this movie. <laughs> but then in the course of the conversation, we realize, no, the star of this movie is a woman. So mm -hmm. we're not going to try to force Tom Holland to be the star of this movie. And I think that that works with the creative team as well, with the director choices. It's like, you don't want to force a director on a property. You want to figure out the best version of the property and then fit those pieces into enhance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got to say, honestly, when we first started talking about doing this, um, I just thought I was going to be the funny guy. Because uh, that's kind of what I do. I think of myself uh, a lot of times more as a performer um, and not as uh, as a creative type as, as these guys. Um, but then after we did the Wolverine episode where it was just supposed to be a dry run, I was like, no, that is not that's not my job. That's not what we're doing here. I got to be part of the whole process, and I got to learn a whole bunch of crap. <laughs> <laughs> the John, so, the, the yeah, John so. Peters question, I'm actually, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to know myself because mm -hmm. Ron, Ed, and myself never know what no. the John Peters is going to be ever. So I want to know yeah. how you come up with those, Bill. So yeah. I'm going to break, I'll break kayfabe. I am John Peters. <laughs> I play John Peters on the show. Um, which should be obvious. I don't know that the voice is that different, but, uh, but no. So the John Peters thing, uh, you know, I never pre-plan the only, the only time I pre-planned John Peters was the Superman episode because I knew that he would have all the same demands as during the Superman lives writing process. Right. Otherwise, um, I, I think the tweet alluded to it. Sometimes I try to use John Peters to give us a kickstart. If, if I feel like we need it, but that really just comes from listening to and responding to what's happening in the show. So I feel like sometimes if we get lost in the weeds, you know, a casting suggestion or a story demand is gonna get us going. Most of the time though, I'm genuinely trying to F us. Most of the time, like <laughs> mm -hmm. I, want, I want to give a suggestion that I would be horrified to hear. And so again, that comes from like listening and understanding where the show is going. And I, the one that comes to mind immediately that I don't think we really did a good job of integrating was in Back to the Future. We were so set on it being a family-friendly, all-ages adventure. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to demand a sex scene because, <laughs> you know, that is what screws us. So I rem that's The one that, that I remember that I was like, mm-mm was Power Rangers, yep. where it was like no ah. suits. And I was like, nope, not doing that. We're going to have to <laughs> find a way That was for you, Billy. I know no, it was. <laughs> it was personal, and I knew it. <laughs> Dude, Billy was sitting there in the full Power Rangers gear, right? and you're telling him he can't wear a suit? No thanks. He's like, I can't wear my helmet right now, but I wish I could. <laughs> that said, the, the last comment on John Peters is that really happens so often oh mm -hmm. totally yeah. that's why it was it, such a kick in the nards because that's almost what happened in the you know in the first mighty Morphin power rangers the movie they had to take the the visors out of their helmets which was such a bad idea that they filmed a week and they were like never mind but just like a john peters when they did the reboot the idea was still there it's still stuck and they had to do it and that's why the power rangers helmets look so stupid in the reboot was because that demand from a producer came for all the way from 95 and followed all the way to 2017. So that stuff happens all the time. Let me tell a quick story just because we're on our, our you know, Reboot It Rewind riff fest. Um, 
I produced a show for VH1 that was set in a club and it was following the bottle service girls in the club. And like we had originally pitched sort of an upstairs, downstairs, like interconnected world thing where it involved the owners and the DJs and the big spenders and all this. And VH1 was like, we want the show to be about bottle girls. So we're like, fine. So I go down to, to San Diego. We're, we're working with the top nightclub uh, company in San Diego. We shoot the pilot. We deliver a rough cut of the pilot. And the, the network is like, why are all these girls so skimpily dressed? And we're like, because they're bottle service girls, they work in lingerie. We sent you pictures going into the pilot. You knew this. And they're like, yeah, but we didn't know how skeevy it would come off. And we're like, this is why we wanted to do the upstairs, downstairs worlds. But we don't have that because you specifically asked for something different. And they're like, you have to cut out all the lingerie shots. And we're like, that is literally any time they're working in the club. And they're like, yeah, I guess you'll have to figure it out. And that show didn't end up going, but that's yep. how it worked. Yep, yep. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I just no. got to say this, too. Uh, you said, Bill, you admitted that sometimes you try to spruce us up a little bit, but I swear to God, nine times out of 9.5, it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it feels like that 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 Jim Gaffigan bit. Like, sometimes I don't even think the show is going that well, and then you do a really horrible Peters, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like when you're wrestling and your friend does a real DDT on you and your neck actually hurts. And you're just like, oh! Oh, we were playing. <laughs> we were playing, Daddy. This is kayfabe. I mean, you that know? was the whole point of the idea when we came up with the idea was to to make it tough and uh, and mm -hmm. make it funny because we, you know, we could get caught telling this story or whatever. But now we got to work around this very difficult subject, so mm -hmm. that's going to make us be a little bit funnier in that situation, but also be creative coming up with a solution. I would so, love absolutely. to know if John Peters, if he ever heard what we were doing if he would think it was funny or if he'd be super offended at oh dude i'm i am waiting for the day i receive a legal notice from his lawyers <laughs> because i will i will will make that difficult for them and we will make all of it public and at the end of the day we may have to stop using his likeness but we'll get some amazing content out of it we'll do pond jeters <laughs> uh, gonna be amazing producer to the that's stars. awesome let's hope it happens then um so then this last comment uh that we were going to talk about and maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk about some of the comments in the thing as well i don't know um but we got alden diaz uh i absolutely loved this episode i think it was actually important to not achieve reboot it for the first time this felt like the same creative explosive energy that came out in the Star Wars episode, but cranked up to 11. Now that's not to say the more argumentative talk topics are better. That's not necessarily true. The ones where it flows and everyone just feels like they're crushing it are super fun and they're an important component of the rebooted magic. But at the same time, there's equal importance in these tense combative ones. It's a true reflection of the creative process and you all still started to come together, which made it even more satisfying. What I gathered from the actual pitch that started to come together was that it honestly should probably be a miniseries. So many ideas, so many concepts, so many potential directions might be worth revisiting in an extended part two writer's room episode, question mark. Either way, thank you so much for the great content. I've been sharing the episodes with friends and it's been fun. Thanks for keeping it up, even in quarantine. You know, you. I, I, I think Alden. my stance on this episode will always be 
it is a bad episode of Reboot It. It is a great kind of PSA for teamwork and for working within a group. And for that, it has value. Uh, but like I said, I just, I, I don't see us coming back to like, all right, let's pick up where we left off. Like, you guys can do that one while I'm on paternity leave if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that. You know, what's interesting, that dovetails with something that just came in on the chat. Uh, Charles Clark asks, have you guys ever considered having guests on the show for topics that might not be in your guys' wheelhouse? Um, we've considered it, and we've said no. That right. That's sort of our feeling, at least as of this moment. Reboot Rewind, I think we want to be a little bit more of a free-for-all, but the main rebooted show, that's us as a creative unit. And I think a lot of what we've talked about over the course of this episode, that idea of trusting your collaborators, everybody bringing something different into it, being able to work through these things, that dynamic is so different when you bring in a brand new voice. I mean, there's well, a reason that like writer's rooms take a long time to congeal and season two is always better than season one. I would also say like to that point too, that's kind of the antithesis of what happens in Hollywood. A lot of times the reason why a reboot or a sequel or a franchise or something may not quite seem on to you is because they, you know, they didn't bring in the, the, the expert on it. You know, I'm trying to think like, you know, bringing in George Lucas for new star Wars. We know that didn't happen. So I think the fact of the matter is like the whole point of the show is, can we not as super fans, not writing fan fiction, but just as for creative executives, can we figure out how to relaunch a property that, you know, I think it almost is a disservice. The episodes where it's like, Unfortunately, I am such a Star Wars fan. Like, you know, in a perfect world, I would recuse myself to keep the the purity of the show. But it's it's almost like I'm a fan of uh, of a lot of things. But we don't want it to become, like I said, fan fiction because that's not what that's not the goal of the show. The goal is can we figure out a lot of times with these, like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. We keep using that one because it's like. Who the hell cares? It's like, well, Disney would care because that did make them mm -hmm. some money. But it's like, that's that's it. You don't you wouldn't go out and find the world's biggest Honey I Shrunk the Kids fan to rewrite that. You just find some guys or some gals that are talented to try to bring a new spin, and that's what we're trying to do every episode. Yeah, it's very difficult for fans to let go of uh, things changing or uh, you know necessary story. Uh, moving into where they needed to go. Like, okay, no one should hire me to make a Terry Brooks TV show. I'm not going to be uh, uh, loosey-goosey on my the fantasy series, fantasy series that I grew up reading. I, I'm not going to be... I, I, I can tell you right now, in that specific arena, it is going to be very hard for me to not be like, why don't we just make the book into a freaking movie and stop trying to make this other story or whatever you guys are doing. And that's not what we're trying to do here. I think that's I think that's why it wouldn't work. Experts want things to be the way uh, uh, the Fantastic Four, for instance. Somebody's going to just come in and be like, oh, "Why don't we just take the first, uh, you know, ten episodes, ten, 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 twenty-two page uh, arc, and turn that into a movie?" No, we we can't do that. That wouldn't be good. I think that's uh, part of the reason. That said, they should definitely hire me for to write Superman, though. So. <laughs> Yeah, no but you can let go of stuff. At all. 
No, uh, not at all. Dude, no, you know what? I, I, I got to say, uh, we're going to do, I think we maybe should do Superman as a reboot recap because yep. that was one of the ones where I felt like one of us was really close to it and we still got the job done. You yeah. know what I mean? I think I think our whole uh, all of us have real feelings about the DC universe, and I think they all come out in those episodes. So that'd be something worth exploring down the line. We have real feelings about it, and yet, are we have enough detachment to be like, yeah, no, nah, I don't want a big blue dudes. Nah, no blue dudes. They suck. And like most people aren't willing to go screw the blue dudes. Most people aren't willing to go screw the force ghosts. Most people yeah. aren't willing to just do that. And that we do that right off the bat, baby. We come in, we're killing darlings right off the biz at. And I don't think people really appreciate how much this group is willing to do that, even on stuff that we like. Because I'd argue, like, I, me personally, I think that maybe I got a little bit too protective of Batman in our live episode. But that was sabotaged so 15 ways to Sunday from the get-go. So I, even that, I think it, even in that episode, we were, we were all able to coalesce on a story I mean, that, that involved that a lot of what we thought. With, with you and me and Palpatine, I was like, how dare right. you, sir, try to do <laughs> Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so, so the bottom line is it, it takes a lot for us. I think adding another person, I think it's good in theory for people, but I don't think they really understand what it, – it's almost like you take one – electron out of an atom and it becomes another thing it's it's really infinitesimal there's really small moves ellie small i moves. mean that's not completely accurate but that's fine whatever covalent <laughs> bonds it becomes a ion it's not like you know anyway. yeah i mean you know it's still it's technically that- some of the same matter <laughs> but and it's still in the same state so technically- all right all right let's we should put this thing to bed before the science lesson starts <laughs> Um, well, you guys, that was, uh, as uh, he said, we're putting it to bed. That does it for Rebooted Rewind. Uh, on behalf of myself, Ed Greer, producer Bill, and Billy Business, we want to thank you guys for watching and being part of this really special community we beat here, we've built here. We love you guys. You're awesome. We appreciate everything you do, and we'll see you all the next time. Bye. Starter, baby. June 22nd. Hey guys, this is Ron. If you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Rebooted channel on YouTube, and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. We've got a new Tee Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. The Mumbo Gumbo, the Pop Art Reboot Crew, the classic logo, and then of course, the Rebooted Drinking Game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls among other fan-favorite comments. So do yourself a favor. Go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite T-shirt. So thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting. Reboot it.